morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good. Who's glad to be here? Amen. I do want to say thank you to everyone who helped us pull off VBS because it is a huge undertaking every year, and two people can't do it. Four people can't do it. It takes this entire community to make that happen, and I want to say thank you. Uh, it's a ton of work, and there are a ton of tired people, but it's a ton of fun. And the, the expression on the kids' faces, to see them interacting in worship and hearing what Jesus can do in their life is, is just amazing. And it makes everything worth it. It makes everything worth it. I'm glad to be here. If you're a guest, we welcome you. Thank you. We're glad you're here. And we want you, most of all, our prayer for you today is that you leave here with something in your toolbox that you didn't have when you got here. To fight what's happening in your life and in this world. Because without Jesus, we can't do what we need to do, and we can't be what we need to be. So this is week two of our hostage series, as, as has already been uh, mentioned, and we're identifying things in our life that can hold us hostage, that will impede our progress, and that threaten to make a, that they, they threaten to steal the freedom that Jesus brought to us. Pastor Andrew started us off last week with a great, a great message on bitterness. And I had no idea, not a clue, you could change the color of that flower just by changing the soil because it all stems from the root, right? And it's a great lesson for us about bitterness. That was amazing. And today I'm going to talk about something, and you already know what it is, but as soon as I say it, you're going to get a mental picture. You're going to get a mental picture. And some of you will even tune me out because you say, you'll say in your mind right now, there's, I've never been addicted, I've never had a problem with addiction, and this doesn't apply to me, and I'm just going to sit here and listen, and I'm going to go home when he says go home, because it doesn't apply to me. I want to challenge you today to listen. <coughs> open your minds, open your hearts, resist the urge to apply stigmas. We do that. Resist the urge to categorize, because when we do that, it opens us up for problems. The Bible says, be careful when you think you stand, or be, thankful when you, be, be careful when you think you have everything all together, because you're likely getting ready to fall. So let's not categorize, apply stigma, stereotypes, or anything. We're going to challenge and encourage anyone that is held hostage by addiction... Or if you've ever been held hostage by addiction, we're going to challenge you, we're going to encourage you, and we're going to help people who haven't been to have warning signs in your life so you can know when these things are threatening you. And when, when I say the word addiction, if I were to ask every single person individually in here today, something would pop in your head. Most likely, when you hear the word addiction, you think drugs and alcohol. Am I wrong? That's immediately where we go. And, and we're going to talk about those things today. Um, but that's where we gravitate. I'm going to touch on those issues. But I promise I'm going to expand our minds a bit as well. First of all, what is addiction? It's a compulsive need for something characterized by tolerance. And then a phys physiological symptom upon removal. That means the more you have it, the more you want it. And then when you take it away, something happens. That's not good. That's Webster. Dictionary.com says this. The state of being enslaved to a habit or a practice. Hmm. Neither one of these definitions sound like the abundant life that Jesus promised us. Uh, he doesn't intend for us, it doesn't intend, intend for anything to control us or to enslave us. In Genesis chapter 4, Scripture says, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must, everybody say, I must, I must rule over it. I must rule over it. The passage in this story, it's the story of Cain and Abel. And we don't really talk about this scripture in the story of Cain and Abel. Because Cain was, was mad because he didn't feel accepted because his sacrifice was inappropriate. It wasn't what God asked for. And he was about to kill his brother who was accepted, who was doing the right thing because he was jealous and he was envious and he wanted the acceptance that, that Abel had. So Cain was about to go out and kill Abel and God spoke to him. This is God talking to him. If you do what is right, in other words, if you, if you do what I've asked you to do, won't you be accepted? Won't everything be okay? 
But if you don't do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. Get that mental picture in your head right now. I want you to get this picture that you're in your house, and you're watching TV, you're reading a book, you're eating dinner, you're doing something. What are you doing in your house? And sin, this mental picture of sin, if you want to, whatever mental picture you have of that, is crouching at your door. Who's ever crouched at a door? I've been known to scare people sometimes. It's fun. And the older I get, the less Tristan scares me because he's scared I'm going to have a heart attack. But um, I'm just getting back what I've given out for years and years and years. And if you're going to scare somebody, what do you do? Man, you wait outside a door and you're like this. Or you're like this. Or you're, you're getting down where nobody can see you. Sometimes when the kids come home, I'll go outside and stand between the cars. Or I'll crouch between the cars. It's a fun time. To scare a teenager in the dark coming from their car to the house is a fun time. So I'm crouching between these cars. I'm waiting for just the right moment. Because if you jump out too soon, it's ruined. If you jump out too late, they're going to turn around and say, what is that about? What are you doing, Dad? you got to wait for the right time. But this passage depicts sin crouching between the cars, outside the door, wherever it's laying in wait for you, that if you, that if you don't control that thing, it's going to jump up and get you. That's, that's, the, that's the mental picture I get. But Scripture says that we need to control it. My prayer today is that if you're struggling with something that threatens you, with God's help, with God's help, that you're able to gain control and win. But let's be real for a minute. There are many more addictions than drugs and alcohol. Many people are addicted to things not considered dangerous and are unaware or even delusional about that stuff. People are addicted to caffeine. I had a hand go up. And we, we 90% of adults consume caffeine daily. It's called America's most popular drug. I heard about somebody a few weeks ago that, that comes in the coffee shop every morning and gets, and gets a, a coffee with like eight shots in it. Eight shots of espresso. Y'all, if I did that, my chest would literally explode. My heart would like be running ahead of me or something. If, if we require something like that to get us moving every morning, guess what we are? We're enslaved. We're addicted to that thing because we, re we require that to move. We require it to think. We don't think in terms like that. We're just like, I need my coffee. Don't talk to me until I get my coffee. Don't even come near me. Just leave me alone. I'll get my coffee. Then I'll be okay. And I pick on coffee, but what about energy drinks? I, I read that it takes one, I'm sorry, it takes 12 bottles of water to flush out one energy drink from your kidneys. That's dangerous. And we can become addicted to this and enslaved to it. The, the, everything I'm going to talk about today is, is meant to tear us down, meant to destroy us, meant to make us sick and slow us down and keep us from God's purpose in our life. And we may think an energy drink or a cup of coffee is harmless, and, and most of the time it is, but if we become enslaved to it, anything that controls us controls us. And today, we may have to just realize what is controlling us and what is slowing us down and be willing to let that stuff go. How about eating? Now, see, I'm, I'm going to get real, and it may get touchy, and you might get mad at me, but comfort food. Comfort food. Stress eating. I got some really honest people waving their hands in this place. Stress eating. About 5% of the population meet the criteria of food addictions, eating issues, obesity. They cause health issues, high blood pressure, sugar, stroke, heart attack. All those things are, can be caused from food. How about gambling? 3% of America is addicted to gambling. America leads the world at $6 billion gambled annually. Six billion dollars. Because it's something that, that we, we have to do. We have to do. We have to do. Shopping. Who's heard the term retail therapy? Who's used it? <laughs> I 
Retail therapy has enslaved 20 million Americans. And online shopping has made it worse. Y'all, how cool is Amazon? Let's, let's just be real. If you order the right thing, it's your, it, can, it can be at your house the same day. You can go online while you're at work. Click, 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 and it's there when you get home. Worst case scenario, it's two days. I mean, come on. 20 million Americans driving debt higher. And here's the key. Enslaving the borrower to the lender. That's scripture. That when we borrow money, that we're a slave to the lender. Who knows what nomophobia is? Nomophobia. It's an addiction to our cell phones. It's got a name already. It's got a name. Nomophobia. The fear of not having your cell phone. 90% of Americans fall into the category of overusing, misusing, and abusing their devices. Who hates the alert you get? If you have an Apple product, you get an alert every Sunday morning of how much screen time you average per day. Who hates that alert? Who just does this before you look at it? You don't want to see what you're doing. You don't want to see how much time you give a a, a four or five inch screen of of your day. And, and you, you, you might work at trying to do it less and less and less, but we have nomophobia because we're, we're scared of not having it. Phones, phones and tablets. I, I, I've been to restaurants before where I see a family of four come in, and if the kids are older, four people sitting at a table and four devices out, and there's no talking going on. If I see parents walk in with two small kids, they walk in, they start unpacking diaper bags and give the kids tablets. We're creating kids that can't have conversations. They can't look you in the eye. They, can't, they don't know what a handshake is because their face is in a tablet or a phone all the time. Too much technology in general can be damaging and it can be addicting. And it can also facilitate environments that make it more convenient for us to mess up, which leads me to pornography. I have no clue what our kids go through today. No clue. When I, was, when I was in middle school, we'd go in the convenience store and look at the pla- They weren't in plastic then. We would try to, you know, distract somebody so we could pull a magazine out. I'm just being real. Sometimes one would make its way into a duffel bag. I'm just saying. After basketball practice, we'd all go in the store and distract together. That's the way in the 80s it happened. 90% of your kids, of our kids... From ages 8 to 16 have seen porn online. 90%. Not only that, 70% of kids say they've, been, they've accidentally encountered porn while doing online search for homework. 43% of Americans say that porn is acceptable. That it's okay. 4.3 out of 10. 70% of men visit porn sites monthly. Almost one in two are addicted. 33% of porn viewers are women. That number skyrocketed. 17% view porn at work. Addiction. Addiction. It's the tool of our enemy to enslave us. It shames us because you don't want anybody to know because you're considered less than if you have an addiction, whether it's caffeine, food, porn, shopping, you're considered less than because you have a problem. It's meant to take away our freedom. It's meant to take even sometimes our lives. And we have, the Bible said, we just read this, we have to master these addictions and we need the master. Come on, let's bring it around. We need the master to help us because it's only through his power and through his spirit that we can win. And I believe God uses all different kinds of forums and, 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 and processes and ways to see people set free. He does. One of the ways he does is, I believe, is, is, is Narcotics Anonymous. And if you're unaware, we have our own NA small group that meets here every single Sunday night. And I'm so thankful for that group. Yeah. The small group that meets here on Sunday is called Sheer Desperation. And they're here every Sunday night at 6 p.m. And if you've been here, 
You should just drop by on a Sunday night at 6 o'clock. If you call Life Center home, you should show up one Sunday night at 6 o'clock just to see what's going on. Because many times, every seat in here is full and there are people standing in the back. The parking lot is full and there are cars up and down every block. It's like everywhere. Just people everywhere. And it's amazing. And I want four people to come up here and join me right now. We're going to do things a little bit different. If you're okay with that, awesome. If you're not sorry, not sorry. So uh, Ross, Shannon, Chris, Marie, you guys come on up. So I've, I've asked them all to speak on their experience because they all have... Y'all come up here. They all have significant time in this program and they all have significant time being clean. And Ross is actually on the regional board, regional board of... Free State Region Convention, that thing. <laughs> so what I have here is a microphone. He said you first. <laughs> Which one's the power? I don't use these. Okay, I think I have it now. I do have it. All right, this is Marie, this is Ross, this is Chris, and this is Shannon. They're all out of order. These two are married and these two are married. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're about to be married. And they're, see, I already think that way. So I've asked them to, to speak for just a minute on what their process has been like, been like. And if you were here last year when we did our This Is My Story, uh, this, what was it called? My Story? Yeah. Your Story, whatever. We told some stories, and some of these guys were interviewed and actually shared their process from, from when they became addicted to, to where they were then. And I want them to talk about for a minute what the process has been like for them and then how it's helped them coming in, in contact with God and how he's helped them further through this process. Because I think they all came in contact with N.A. first and then met Jesus later. So they're going to tell you for a minute what their experience is and how God has helped them through this process. This is Marie. Hi. Um, so I had a vision of what an addict looked like. Uh, before I realized I was one, um, and I didn't think I was one for a very long time. Um, I still had a job. Uh, I had custody of my child, and um, I still had family in my life. Um, but the reality of it was is that I was broken, and I was a shell of a person. Um, and it just came to a moment of desperation when I realized that... Um, I just didn't want to live that way anymore. Um, and that's when I decided to get help for my problem. Um, and along the way, you know, I was introduced to God at a young age, and life um, just took me away from that path. Um, and then coming back to Narcotics Anonymous and um, finding a new way of life, I found a new, um, a new relationship with God. Um, and a much stronger relationship with God. And uh, my prayers started as, God, just please help me uh, to change my life, to um, live a better life. And, and now it's, God, thank you for blessing me so abundantly and um, help me to lead others to find such a blessed life. I think Ross is trying to move further. This is Ross, and you see Ross every Sunday when you come to the parking lot, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here you go, buddy. <laughs> I should have went first. That was pretty good. <laughs> Where's my prompter? Uh, real simple. Man, this, is, this never gets easier. I'm more of a behind-the-scenes guy. But when I'm asked to share a little bit about my testimony, I figure it's the least I can do. And I identify myself as an addict, and which I was. And we all struggle. And I still struggle. All I know is 12 years ago, um, uh, I was faced to make a decision, right, that uh, I no longer wanted to live in, uh, in this thing that, you know, this vice. I remember coming to church here, and I opened my eyes to a newer faith and uh I was sitting in the back with my wife, and I looked up on the screen, and I realized there was this mule or something that had this thing around its neck, and I'm a pitcher guy, right? So that, like, that stuck out to me, and that's exactly what heroin had, had, had control over me. Um, I used it at an early age uh, 
you know, over feelings. You know, um, I just wanted to cover up the, you know, the feelings that I had of being abused and neglected. You know, all those things that happen to some of us at an early age with no control. You know, um, uh, and it uh, suppressed a lot of those things that I were dealing with. And heroin was my my drug of choice. And uh, I ran with that since the age of 12 until 27. And I'm 38 now. And, I'm, you know, I started off living a productive life of society at 27 because uh, heroin wouldn't let me be the person that I was created to be and intended to be. But uh, with that being said... Um, so anyway, now I have a choice, right? And it's my faith in God, and that's about the only thing that makes sense to me today because there was no other way I was going to get through this. And uh, like he said, this meeting that meets here is my life, and you people are my life, and that's all we have in life is relationships with others, and I continue to build them every day. And I remember at a prison, you know, I used to go into the prisons and share, and nobody else was paying attention. I said, you know, I tried to lighten the mood. Hey, I want to hear from that guy in a yellow jumpsuit back there. <laughs> well, anyway, they're all wearing j- yellow jumpsuits. So the only one that had anything to say was the CO because he was paying attention, a normal person. But he was so interested in what I was saying. And he said, so eventually, what made you stop? And that's where the sheer desperation came from. Out of sheer desperation, I wanted to find a new way of life something different of what I've been living so many years. And uh, so that's what I do. That's what I do every day. Thank you. <laughs> Love yous. I'm a recovering addict named Chris. <laughs> so uh, I'm, a, I'm a product of kids having kids. I was um, pretty poor, um, moved around a lot. Um, I never felt right. I always felt less than. Um, I found drugs at a young age. I was raised Catholic, um, but uh, we didn't really go to church. We went to church on Easter and Christmas. And, um, you know, what I learned about God um, <coughs> in my the, the process of my addiction um, I thought that a guy would never forgive me. You know, and an addiction is so cunning and baffling, and it's literally like having a ball and chain wrapped around you. You know, um, it doesn't care about anything except getting another one. It doesn't care about your kids. It doesn't care about your parents. It doesn't care about you. It wants your life. Um... So after about five incarcerations, I finally had enough. You know, and um, you know, a, a buddy of mine, a using buddy, told me to call Narcotics Anonymous. He said, "Call them people; they'll help you." You know, and um, I owe Narcotics Anonymous and God my life because I called them, and and uh, you know, they loved me until I could love myself. You know, and and I think that's so important for addicts because, like I said, the disease of addiction doesn't care about anything except getting another one. And and until you can love somebody like that, until they love themselves, then they're not going to get it. You know, if you if you turn turn the other cheek to these people, then they're just going to see that you know there's no good in this world. You know, and it's through going to these meetings and people loving me, and that, that I was able to know that this was God working in my life, you know, um, God working through people, and that's what he does, you know, and that, that allowed me to um, finally forgive myself and ask for forgiveness and, and um, find, find a new way to live, you know, um, and I found this church, and I love this church, it, it um, to me, what this church does is it breaks down scripture into everyday life, and it makes it simple, and um, I just love it, you know, and it keeps me on my toes, you know, when I forget to pray, 
throughout the week and I come here on Sunday, it's a reminder. Dude, you better start being thankful, you know, because God's given me a real good life, you know, with four years clean. <laughs> My first year I lived in a recovery house. I didn't know how to pay bills. I didn't know how to take care of kids. I didn't know how to do anything, you know. Um, I have my kids in my life. I have a home. I'm running a business now. Uh, you know, life is good. The black eye is from work. <laughs> I, I, I dropped a two-by-four on my face. Anyway, I, I love you guys, and, and thanks for being here. Shannon, I'm an addict. Uh, ugh, I don't like doing this, <laughs> but I'm going to do it because um, huh, my life is a testimony as to the power of God. Um, let's see. Uh, every time I hear my husband's story, I cry because I don't have that experience. Like, I had two very loving and caring parents. Um, you know, married for, what, 37 years? And yeah, they, they were always there, and they were always loving. Um, you know, we didn't go to church, but they told me about a God um, that wasn't punishing or anything. They always said, if you, you know, you commit sin, you just ask for forgiveness. So, you know, I, I had just a little bit of that. Um, I did really good in school when I was young. Um, I didn't, you know... The thing, the thing was is that I, I always wanted acceptance. I had an older sister, and she never really wanted to have a younger sister. <laughs> so, um, you know, I always had the need uh, for affection and things like that, and I did whatever, whatever by any means necessary to find that affection. Um, so drugs are not my only drug of choice. Um, you know, men, shopping, gambling, uh, all of it, you know, if it takes me outside of myself for just a moment, then I like it, and I want more of it. Um, I graduated high school. Um, I was supposed to go into college, but instead I chose to chase heroin. And it led me down a road that, you know, led to um, everything that you hear about Junkies, you know, I was that prostitute up on Baltimore Street and looking at me now. You'd be like what? <laughs> you know and looking at me in the mirror. I'm like what? Like, <laughs> it's um When I think about it, it was like it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare and It almost seems like it really was never real, but I know it was because I lived it um, So a relapse is a part of my story um, I came to Narcotics Anonymous in 2004. Um, you know, my parents showed me that tough love, and they kicked me out. They said, you got to go, because they tried for so long to save me. And it wasn't them that could save me. It had to be, you know, me and, and God. And uh, it took me a while to find God. It took me a long while. Um, yeah, so I came in 2004 to Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, I didn't really believe anything that they were saying, but I figured I'd give it a shot, and um, I stayed clean for a little while. Um, you know, I managed to get like two and a half years clean, and I forgot that I was an addict. Um, I wanted to be sociably acceptable, and um, I thought I could have just one, and there is no just one for me. Um, one is too many, and a thousand's never enough. Um, so... I struggled for a long time in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous. Um, I would get some clean time, I would use. I would get some clean time, I would use. And the one thing that was constant in that was me and how I self-sabotage myself. Um, I would do one, two, and three, but I wouldn't do the rest that anybody had suggested because I thought I got this. I don't, I don't need God, I don't need this, I don't need that. You know, it was kind of like recovery a la carte. Mm. And I heard that somewhere and I'm using it. So, mm. um, But I met my husband at a meeting by the coffee pot. <laughs> because like I said, I love men. 
I had no intents and purposes on ever getting married or having children because I didn't think that I was that kind of material. I never believed in myself to that extent. And so, yes, I met him at the coffee pot, and um, we ended up having a beautiful daughter, and I didn't even stay clean after that. I used again because there were some things I just wasn't willing to do. Um, the last time that I used uh, was in early September of 2013. Um, I totally almost decimated my family. I almost lost my husband and my child because of my actions, my inability to be responsible, my inability to be honest. Um, but God saw fit for me to be able to live and to come back to Narcotics Anonymous. And that is when I made the decision that I was going to do everything they suggested. And um, it has been absolutely wonderful, like this time around. Um, the most clean time that I had ever gotten before this time was two and a half years. And in less than 60 days, I think, I'll have six years. <laughs> you know, um, it was, I, I've, I've been through all 12 steps, and I am back on my sixth and seventh. I'm doing them together. Um, I sponsor women. Uh, my 11th step is what brought me to the Life Center. Um, you know, it talked about uh, doing prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, and I really didn't understand him. You know, I just... I, I prayed when I first came back, and I, and I prayed to a God that I didn't even know if he was listening. But I just prayed, and I just kept praying because that's what I was told to do. Um, so when I got to my 11th step, though, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this church thing. And I didn't understand what church was or what it was about. And it always had a stigma in my mind attached to it as, you know, they're holy rollers. They're going to want to take all your money. You're going to do hymnals. You're going to be like, ah, la, 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 And I didn't want to do that. I was, I was frightened. I was absolutely terrified. So I was looking for non-denominational churches. I didn't want nobody shoving nothing down my throat. So uh, I looked them up. Google. I Googled the Life Center. So I Googled churches in the area, and this was the first one that I came to. I had a list of them, and I wasn't so sure if my husband was going to join me. But I was going to go regardless, and he came anyway. Um, but out of all those churches on my list, this was the first one I put on there. This was the first one that we came to, and I had no reason to go anywhere else. I didn't visit any of those other churches. This became my church. This became my church. And... Um, you know, through here, you know, uh, a group of us got together and the church allowed us to start at a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. Um, like, I see God, like, literally everywhere, even in the midst of the storm that I have been going through. Like, you know, when I was, when I was you know, in the midst of my addiction, my parents kicked me out and took the house keys because they couldn't trust me no more. I, I stole everything from them, including their peace, and that was the most valuable thing I took. But, um, you know, like getting clean and getting the keys back to the house. Um, you know, m my mother, you know, recently got sick on Mother's Day. My father, you know, passed soon thereafter. And uh, I didn't quite know if she was going to make it. And she's sitting back there today. <laughs> Narcotics Anonymous got me clean and led me to God. And I truly believe that. And God is, you know, in, in everything. I, you know, helping my father pass on to heaven, as painful as it was, was freaking rewarding. So rewarding. And what I'm doing now is so rewarding. Um, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I can't see me anywhere else but here. Like, that, <laughs> that doorway is my home. And I stand there, too, during the N.A. meeting. You know, like, this is, this is my shelter in the storm, and it's just been an amazing journey. That's all I got. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
just wow. Just wow. What'd she say? Um, Narcotics Anonymous a la carte? I'm like, that'll preach. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. It's about life change and what God can do when, when we get to a place where we can reach out to him and get perspective and understand that we, that we need him. That we need him. Four very different stories, but the same result that God has impacted their lives and brought them to a place where, where, where they're making a difference. I, I encourage you. When, Shannon, when is your seven year? When is that? Six year. September 8th. We're going to, yeah, I'm going to encourage you to come see that. Because it will, number one, it's going to wreck you, but number two, it will change your perspective and understand that what's happening here. If, if I'm correct in saying this, if, if I'm not, you can correct me later. I believe the meeting that happens here on Sunday night is the largest in Baltimore County. It's the largest NA meeting in Baltimore County. And there are people in this room that come here every Sunday night, and you are here because the meeting has been here on Sunday night, and you were introduced to this meeting in this place, and it brought you to this church. And we're glad you're here. Amen. We are glad you're here. And I'm excited to see what God is doing in your life. But if I just left things, I, I know it's getting close time for me to be done. But I just, if I left things right there, I'd be doing you an injustice. I want you to know that you can be free. Everybody, if you're suffering in silence, if you're suffering in silence and you haven't shared what you're going through, what your hang-up is, what you're, what you're suffering through, maybe everybody knows about your problems. Maybe you're an open book and everybody sees what you're doing, what you're going through. Maybe today you've identified something in your life that you need to address. I want to help you get there. Well, I'm going to give you three things to help you move to freedom from addiction. Number one, and this is the first step, is turn to God. Turn to God. Romans 6.12 says, Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. That's a big transformation from wickedness to righteousness. Instead of offering yourself to what has enslaved you, instead of giving yourself to your addiction, turn to God, give yourself to Him, give every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness, from, for, and then sin shall no longer be your master. Sin will no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace that Jesus brought to us. Master in this passage means to have dominion. You get to a place where you give yourself to God completely, and instead of that thing having dominion over you, you have dominion over it. Going back to Genesis, unless we control that, unless we master it, unless we have dominion over it, it's going to reign, it's going to control us, it's going to dominate us. Turn to God so you can be free of what's threatening you. Acts 3.19 says, repent then. Let God know you're sorry for where, you're, where you are right now, what you're doing, what you're, what you're enslaved by. Turn to God. So that your sins may be what? Wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Come on, somebody. This is a step that all of us have to take. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped. The coolest thing about what God does for us is that when we turn to him and when we repent, it doesn't matter if you're a 45-year addict or you've never done drugs in your life, you're on the same page. And some of y'all may not believe that. But when we repent of our sins, he forgives us and he forgets them. That means we're all, we all have the same ground zero. We all have the same starting place. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, what did Chris say? I, was, I didn't think that God would forgive me. God will forgive anything and put you on the same page as the person who thinks they haven't done anything wrong. So that times of refreshing may come where? Not from from us, but from God. Repent and let God know that you need his help to be able to be free. Let him know that you can't do this on your own, but you know that with him, what? All things are possible. Sometimes we repent and we go back. 
We repent, we, we get relief, and we go back. We repent, we get relief, and we go back. Let's, let's change that. Let's change that. Let's, let's, let's get a paradigm shift right there. Let's, let's repent, and let's move on. Let's repent and, and actually turn away and stop being associated with what we were doing before. Stop doing it. Turn to God so you can experience renewing and refreshing. Number two, share the struggle. James 5 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you can be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. God didn't mean for us to do life on our own or struggle by ourselves. The load is lighter when it's shared. If you have have somebody helping you carry something, your load decreases by 50%, unless they're slacking. When I was in the Marines, we had to do like that telephone, like, you know, you know sit-ups and stuff with telephone poles with like eight of us. And, and it always helped being in the middle. The guys on the end suffered. Because if you were in the middle and you were tired, you could just crouch down a little bit. And you relieve, you relieve yourself of some of that weight, but what, you, but what you were doing was hurting everybody else. And if somebody realized that, that, that somebody was doing that, they got punched in the kidney. Because nobody wants a slacker. But if you're sharing the weight, it's easier you think a telephone pole is a big deal, and it is, but if everybody's doing their part, it's not that big of a deal. It's just something you got to get your mind past. If you share your story, share your struggles, find somebody you can trust, find somebody who loves you, who wants the best for you, build a relationship with them and share your struggles because it helps to A, talk it out, but to B, get somebody helping you pray on that thing. Share your struggles, number two. Number three is fight. Who likes to fight? Hey, no hands. One hand, two hands. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons we use can demolish the chains of addiction. If it's, if it's heroin or pornography or gambling or food or shopping or whatever it is, the, the weapons that we use can demolish those things. Don't give up. Set your mind to fight to win. You're not going to use fists. You're not going to use knives. You're not going to use guns. Our weapons are these. And Shannon just about hit this section right here. Obedience. How about irrational obedience? Isaiah 1.19 says, If you are willing and you're obedient, you will eat the good of the land. How about this? If you're willing and obedient, you can be free from every addiction. If you want it and you're obedient, you can be free from every addiction. Irrational means that you may have to change your diet. You may have to cut up some credit cards. You may have to use parental controls on yourself. You may have to set your devices where you can't get that stuff. You may have to get a dumb phone. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You may have to go back to a flip phone. That thing. That doesn't have a screen that, that holds more than 10 characters. You may have... What, how badly do you want to be free? How badly do you want to stop what you have access to until you can get strong enough to stand there and say, I'm not going to do this? A baby step gets you somewhere closer to your, to your direction or your, your destination, doesn't it? You may have to get a dumb phone so you don't have access to pornography or you can't have that relationship that you don't need to have or you can't spend six hours a day on social media. Does anybody open Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat? I'm old. I'm an old head. I know that. So there are, there are platforms I don't even know about, but who just refresh, refresh, refresh? Oh, why doesn't anybody post anything? Refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> What's the last thing you do before you go to the bathroom? You get your phone. (laughs) There are statistics. I I didn't just make that up. What price? What price is too high for freedom? Irrational obedience. If God speaks to you, be obedient. Abraham, the man who was promised to be the father of many nations, to have... Descendants like sand on the seashore and stars in the sky. God, his, 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 his son, he had him on an altar about to sacrifice him because God told him to. 
Did the story end that way? No. God provided a different sacrifice. But you have to be willing to obey whatever, whatever God puts in your path to do on your path to freedom. You have to be willing to do that. So the first thing in, in, our, in our weapons is obedience. The second thing is confidence in God's word. I am who it says I am, and I can do what it says I can do. Understand there are promises all through the word of God that promise us abundant life and, and, and all kinds of things. But there, I promise every promise in the word of God is conditional. So if I'm obedient, I will have what God's word says I will have. Have confidence. God's word, if you go, if you go read when, when Jesus was in the desert and was tempted by Satan, what did he use? He didn't kick him. He didn't punch him. He quoted scripture to defeat Satan. And that's what we have. We have to have confidence in God's word. Memorize it. Let God's word become part of who you are. If you're tempted to look at porn, read the Bible. I promise that that urge will leave. If you're riding down the road listening to Nelly or Fitty or somebody like that and it's putting bad thoughts in your head, change the station. Change what's going in so what, coming, so what comes out changes too. Put in good things in you. Number three, militant prayer. Everybody say militant prayer. We are in a fight for our life. There's no, this is not patty cake time. Get serious about your prayer. Hebrews 4 says, let us therefore boldly, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This isn't patty cake time. This isn't now lay me down to sleep time. This is a fight. This is emotional, gut-wrenching, life or death prayer. God, I need help to get past this thing. By your stripes, what, what am I? I'm healed. If I'm sick, I can confidently say, God, by your stripes, I am healed. This is your temple. Bring healing. Give me strength to end this relationship. Help me change my diet. Give me strength to walk away from alcohol, from drugs, from smoking, from jeweling, from pornography. Help me stop spending. Make me strong. Whatever issue we're facing, pray confident, bold prayers. We don't have to plead. We don't have to say, I know I've been bad. And I, we don't have to relay our whole history to God. We're a child of God, and we should, we should go to the throne boldly and say, God, this is where I am, and this is what I need. Help me get through this. I'm not praying for $45 million. I want strength. Boldly approach the throne of grace so we can find grace and strength in the time of need. Make me strong. Help me become who you called me and created me to be. I want to be that person. Help me change. Help me change through your power and through your spirit. Help me become that person. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. You are not facing anything original. It's either pride or lust. And it's been happening since Eve ate that fruit and Adam said, okay. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. It may be in different forms. It may be different ways, but it is the same kind of stuff. And here's the rest of that. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you can endure it. You're going to face trials. What did Jesus say? We say it around here all the time. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You're going to be tempted. If you have an issue with gambling, you're going to hear a scratch-off commercial. The Maryland Lottery is going to let yourself play. It's going to, you're going to, it's going to hit you. If you, have a tro- if you have a problem with pornography, you're going to look up ESPN, and there's going to be a half-naked woman on there. Or you're going to look at something going to be a half-naked man on there. It's going to happen. You're going to be tempted. You're going to see stuff. If if you have, if you're trying to stop smoking, you're going to get around somebody smoking, and you're going to want one so bad, you're going to taste it, and you're just going to just almost pass out because you want to smoke so bad. But if you have turned to God, let's go back. If you've turned to God. If you're shared your struggle and you got a support system. That's what Sunday night is here. It's a support system. And it's beautiful. I love it. And you've made up your mind to fight. 
You're going to see how far you've come. You're, you're going to be unwilling. Unwilling to take that step backwards. And because you have the support system in place, and you've, you've given your life to God, you're going to have the strength and the help to endure that temptation. I didn't just make that up. I just read that from God's Word. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Because he did, I can. Isn't that awesome? Because he did, I can. I don't know what goes on when you're outside of these walls. I don't know what your secret struggles are. I don't know what your public struggles are. I don't know. I know what I see on social media. Most of that's not true. That's our prettiest face. But you know, and God knows. And I believe that God has been talking to more than one person. I believe God's been speaking to every one of us in this room. And something is holding you hostage. Something is slowing you down. Something is making you feel ashamed because you do it or because you like it. And every time you do it, you get angry at yourself. I'm not going to do it again. And then you do it again. And every time you do it, the shame piles a little higher. I'm going to do better. And you do for a day or two days or ten. It's time to turn to God. Give it to Him. Share the load with somebody else. And make up your mind, I'm going to fight and I'm not going back. This will hold me hostage no longer. Thank you for investing yourself. Now, my ask for this week is take a step away from where you are right now and let God develop you into your purpose because he has a plan for you. He has people for you to impact. So let's be free. Let's not be held hostage by anything. God bless y'all. I pray you have an amazing week. We'll see you back here next Sunday morning.